Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. So, John 15 verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, in brackets for those who don't understand, if you continue to obey, obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and you will live on it. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and live on His love, I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete overflowing. So Jesus gives an if statement. How many of you know like a good if statement? If, say if. If, what's the if statement? If you keep, if you continue to obey my instructions. But he says, yes, Here's my purpose for, for saying this. This is why I'm saying if. My purpose for telling you these things in, in the message, it, no, the Passion Translation, it says, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Like a still, amen. Okay, so... Jesus is saying, if you keep my commandments, if you listen to what I say, if you obey them, man, there's going to be a joy that's going to flood your heart. So it's a, it's a good thing, all right? It's not a, you know, like if I go to my parents, ach, my children, I'm sorry, I'm thinking, if I go to my children, if you do this or if you don't, then wooden spoon, no, it's if you, then joy. If you, then, man, you can experience the fullness of God's glory and His goodness. So I want to just focus on two parts of the Scripture. The first part is love, the word love. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will live in my love. What is love? I want you to turn to the person next to you and just tell them what love is. Don't quote 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> just tell them what it is. What's love, Justin? Love is a coffee in bed. Okay, how many of you struggle to define love? Okay, one honest person on the left there. <laughs> Define what love is. Love, love is, is all about motivation. Love, is, love is, is communicating, this is my motivation. If you say you love soccer, why do you love soccer? Or cricket, or some, why do you say you love it? Because there's, there's an enjoyment. There's something that you're looking at down the road and you're going, that motivates me. That excites me. That, that gets me going. 
There's a difference between those who say they love soccer and those who love watching soccer. Okay, just want to clarify. Okay, there's, there's, love is, is motivation. It's, it's indicating this is what's going to happen. Um, if there's, you know, if, 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 you, if you're a student, teenager, and, or, or you, you start dating, you know, I mean, if you, if you can go back to the first time you, I want the, the married people in the room to journey back to the first time you told your spouse, I love you. Anyone in the room remember that? No? Me? I, I remember. You guys? <laughs> Work with me. Work with me. <laughs> Renee is just smiling at me, not saying anything. Okay. Can you remember the day you said, I love you for the first time? Okay. Earlier than that, your mom would come to you and say, I love you. Can you remember that? How you felt as a child. It's easy for you as a dad to tell your kids, I love you. I love you. But what does that mean? Well, some kids, when they date for the first time, it, it means, um, this is what I like to get from you. Does that make sense? When, when two people who don't really love each other get together and they say, I what they're saying is, this is what I like to to get from you. Or well, this is what I this is what I want to this is what I want to take from you. And and that's not what love is. Love is not what has come from the past. Love is forward looking. It love says I want to reorganize all of my all of what motivates me. I want to reorganize all of my motivations and all of my resources for your benefit. That's what love is. If I look at Bernadine in the eye and I say, I love you, it means I, it literally means I, am re, I have reorganized, I am reorganizing all of my ambitions, all of my motivations, all of my resources for her benefit. If I tell anyone else in the church, I love you, it doesn't mean the same thing. Because I'm going to reorganize different amounts of my resources for different people in this room. But for my wife, I am reorganizing everything. When I say I love my wife, it, it means this is what's going to happen. This is my motivation from this moment going forward. It doesn't mean this is what I like about you. This is what I'm going to receive from you. So Jesus is saying, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In other words, Jesus has reorganized his motivation, his ambition. God himself did. God said, because he loved the world so much, he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes will have eternal life. Here's God going, okay, Jesus is literally the word that, that through him we the world was created through him, but I'm going to reorganize everything and give Jesus and give all of my resource so that people can have eternal life. 
And he changed his motivation. Does that make sense? God is fully motivated for us. Oh, it sounded so much better, you know, when I was preparing. I was expecting just joy in the house. So here's the thing. It's sharing to our leaders. Identity is very closely linked to love. People who have a strong sense of identity are able to give love freely. People who struggle with their identity aren't able to give love. Identity, here's what identity is not, and this is where people get stuck. How many of you have applied for a job in, at least once in your life? Okay, what did you do when you applied to the job? What's the first thing you do? CV, right? I, I want to talk to someone else in the church, Bernadine. Hey, church is quiet today. Someone didn't get their oats this morning. Okay, what's the first thing you do? Okay, why? You're selling yourself? What's the motivation? You want to tell them your experience, right? Impress them. Okay, now we're starting to warm up. Work with me. Work with me, church. You want a position, but what are you doing through your CV? You're saying? I'm awesome. I'm great. Pick me. What are you putting on your CV? Your list of? Accomplishments. Okay? Maybe if you're spiritually full, you're going to put your strengths there. But you're putting on your accomplishments. Why? Because you want money? Why? Because the world looks at that. That's how they have established identity. Okay, we, we know that there are certain skills and things that need to take place. We, we know that there are certain achievements that, well, not achievements, but we know that there are certain um, qualifications and activities and, and you need to be able to do things and actually do them. And, and, and we know that, that that's part of it. But sometimes our idea of identity gets confused with what we've done in the past, if that makes sense. The world looks at identity in the following way. This is what that person has done. Anyone introduced someone you really admire to someone else? You go, you know, they, they did this, they did that, they, they did this in the past, and, and, and that's what they've done. And that's not identity. Identity is all about what is inside of your heart. It's all about what you are motivated to do going forward. That's how God looks at the heart. That's how God weighs the heart. He's thinking about Rafiki in the movie Simba. He smacks Simba on the head. And Rafiki goes, what? Simba goes, what was that for? And Rafiki says, doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> Simba says, it still hurts. And he takes another swipe and he says, ah, oh, you've learned. 
So identity really flows out of the ability to look forward with what you carry inside of you. And love is similar to that. It's forward-looking. It's got a motivation that is forward-looking. It's not back-looking, looking at what has already taken place. Does that make sense? So, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love and live on it. My question today is, live on We've got to live on what motivates you. That's what we live on. We live on God's love because His love motivates us. If His love isn't motivating you, then it hasn't had the effect that it should have on your life. His love motivates us, gives us a reason to go out and do something. And we can't live on and rely on what was in the past. Do you agree? You can't live on that. doesn't matter what you've done up until today. Your achievements, whatever it is, does not count for tomorrow. What counts for tomorrow is what you have in your heart motivating you for tomorrow. That's why you can live on Christ's love. It motivates us for tomorrow. I, you know I love running. How many of you know I love running? Okay, I was thinking about it on Thursday. I went out for a run, did a nice 10K, nice and relaxed, feeling great, and I realized this is like going for a walk. I was so relaxed on a 10K run that I felt like I was going for a walk. I got to see my whole neighborhood in less than an hour. Isn't that awesome? How many of you want to go for a brisk walk? Anyone in the room? Okay, you guys are boring. I'm going to talk to another crowd. <laughs> See, a lot of people get stuck in life like people who try and run for the first time. And they're not motivated to push through. They're not motivated Enough. That's, that's why we need Christ's love. His love motivates us. So if you're motivated, let's say you've never run before and you want to take up the challenge, you first have to be motivated to do it. And the more motivated you are to do it, the easier it's going to be to go and start going to go for a two-kilometer run every single day. And you know what? The first time you go out, you're not going to finish it. You're going to walk half of it, maybe more than half of it, maybe all of it. But the next day you go out and, you, and you're really motivated, you're going you're to walk less and less and run more and more. And one day you're going to do a 2K and you're going to go, wow, I still feel as if I can do another one. And that's what happens. That's what Christ's love is like in terms of life. His love motivates us to do what he tells us to do. That's why it's an if statement. If you obey, you will abide and live on my love. You will be motivated. Does that make, do, you, do you hear that? There's, 
There is an agreement to the if statement going, wow, I, Lord, I want to. I'm so motivated to hear your voice and do. And what was hard becomes possible. I can't go to a new town. If, if I go to a new town and we drive into a new town, if we're going to go over for a weekend, go somewhere for a weekend, when we drive into a new town, the first thing I'm thinking is, can I run this place? Can I run these streets? Something has motivated me that that's the first thing I'm seeing. That's the first thing I just want to go out and do. But now, one of the things about... Um, this verse, it says here, you will abide in my love and you will live on it. The word, those words, live on it, speak about sustained benefit. The, it speaks about benefit that is sustained. And, and that, that is really joy that is overflowing, gladness that is overflowing. Remember in the Passion Translation, or not in the Passion, verse 11, it says that my joy and my delight may be in you, that your joy and gladness may be full of measure and complete and overflowing. How many people in the room have joy right now that's overflowing? Gladness that is overflowing. What it's talking about is sustained benefit. Anyone in the room believe that God loves us for our benefit. Okay, let's put up your hands. If, if you believe God loves you for your benefit. I just, again, I just sense in the room, there's some people in the room that haven't broken through to the place where they believe that God loves them for their benefit. Just Albie's testimony now about love after marriage, growing up in a divorced home, and coming to a course, but being introduced to the voice of the Holy Spirit, says, this love I have for you is for your benefit, for the benefit of your marriage, for the benefit of your children. God wants to help us see that He loves us for our benefit. And the moment we receive that, our lives get transformed. Our motivations and ambitions get transformed. There's a complete change that takes place in our hearts. And God wants us to have overflowing gladness in every area of our lives. Only Justin said amen. God, let me say that again. God wants us to have overflowing gladness in every area of our lives. God wants you to have overflowing gladness in your relationships. God wants you to have overflowing gladness in your career, in your leadership, in your finances, in the projects you're working on, raising your children, in your health, etc. I, I want to ask you, each person in the room this morning, I, I like to have a two-way conversation. I don't want to preach to marble faces. 
But that means I'm going to ask you to think. I'm going to ask you to process. I want to ask you, not rhetorically. I want, I'm asking this question not with a sermon voice that just goes over your head and you don't think about it. But what areas of your life do you currently not have overflowing gladness in? Highlight them. Second question to that. Why not? What area of your life do you not have overflowing gladness in? Second question. Why not? Take some time to think about that in the week. Take some time to ask God, why am I not experiencing overflowing joy in this area? To help identify, it's what areas of my life do it, does it feel like God is not answering my prayers? Can I say that again? Just to help you understand. Just to help you identify which areas you don't have overflowing joy in. It, the question is, what areas of my life does it feel like God is not answering my prayers? And there are areas in, in, in my life where I'm going, God, you've been so good in that area. You brought a miracle in that place. Man, there's a, there's a monument the size of the Empire State Building to your glory in that area. But, but why am I not seeing the same in, in this area? Why am I not seeing the same? Why, why am I not seeing joy in that area? And I felt like God wants to help direct us in that area. And, and just help. I'm talking about things that, things that we can actually do something about it. Sometimes, sometimes. God says, I haven't released you in that area because I still want you to do something. Now, I mentioned health in terms of overflowing gladness. And sometimes there's nothing we can physically do more for complete healing and for complete health. So I, I want you to hear me. I'm, I just want to take that out for a moment. Just put that on one side. But there's other areas of our lives like finances, our careers, projects, maybe our leadership, maybe our relationship. God's saying there's definitely something that you can do about it. There's definitely something that you, that you first need to do before you're going to experience the fullness of joy. There's, there's something that, that I need you to do first in that space before you, you're going to experience the release of that. Here's the question you ask yourself. Are you appointed by Jesus to that area of your life? Did Jesus plant you there? Some people are in careers that they chose, but God never planted them there. Jesus never put them in that position. Maybe they're pursuing a leadership position that was never theirs to have. Maybe they're, they're seeking things that God never gave. And, and so the first question is, did Jesus appoint me to this position? Now on the other side, if you have the confidence that Jesus did point you, to that position. There's times where I've doubted my space. I've doubted where I'm going. I've doubted what I'm doing. And God says, but I appointed you there. So it brings in a whole nother confidence. If you can answer that question, yes. Do you hear the motivation that's coming out of that? Do you, do you, 
And you're going, okay, God, you did appoint me to this place, so what do I do? And God says, here's what I want you to do. And so there's a motivation that builds up out of his love. But here's the thing. Jesus says the following, and I want to read that to you in, in John 15, verse 16. It says, you have not chosen me. This is Jesus talking to us. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have planted you, that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain and abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, that he may give it to you. As Jesus says, so whatever you ask the Father in my name as presenting all that I am, he may give that to you. But, but just, just listen to this, and I, I want you to see this. It says, I have planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may do it for you. God doesn't want you to be a salad bowl when you're supposed to be a tree bearing fruit. What happens to fruit in a salad bowl? fruits okay you leave your you make a salad fruit salad put it on the table let's leave it for a week make it on sunday come back on friday and not lacquer but fruit on a tree see it on sunday you know maybe next sunday still gonna grow we've got a lemon tree I didn't rush this morning to go pick all my lemons. I know they're still going to be there next week. That makes sense? Here's what God's saying. Sometimes you first need to bear fruit before you can ask. Ooh. Sometimes you first need to bear fruit before you can ask. I, I'm just reading it here. Jesus says, that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, that your fruit may be lasting, so that whatever you ask in my name. Do you see the order of, his, of what he's saying? He's saying, you need to bear fruit and the fruit must be lasting, so that... If statement. Make sense? Let's make it really practical. Your finances aren't working out. Month to month, you're like, God, where did that go? Hello? I asked you last month. Your journal says, Lord, my finances. And then you take out last year's journal. It says, Lord, my finances. Same prayer request every single time. It's like, hey, God, I, I need this to work out. And, and next month it's the same. Next month it's the same. And, and God's saying, but have you budgeted? Have you taken account of your finances? Have you, are you able to bear fruit with what, I'm, what I've given? 
Because if I just give you more and you're not accountable with it, guess what? You're going to have a raise and you're going to be back again. Hey God, it's me again. My finances. So you need to be able to bear fruit with what you've been given so that you can ask whatever. Sometimes there's something we need to do. Doesn't mean that everyone who's struggled with finances hasn't bared fruit. Do you hear my heart? It just means sometimes there's something you need to do. You need to be able to bear fruit. And that's all tied into the if statement. If you obey me. Because if you obey me in every area of your lives, you will bear fruit. You will be motivated to do the hard task of repaying your debts, for instance. You will be motivated to save. You will be motivated to go on leadership courses and to, to learn how to be a better leader. You will be motivated to study when you should have studied. You will be motivated to go on that first difficult thing that you've been putting aside for the last 20 years. And God says, if you will listen to me, then you will realize there's a motivation that comes. There's an excitement to go and do what you've been putting aside. And some people have been praying the same prayer for 20, 30, 40 years. And God's saying, if you'll listen to me, if you'll realize that what I'm telling you to do is my love for you, and you can live on it, you can abide on it, and you will bear fruit that will last forever. What is it that God's calling you to do? What is it that God's asking you to do? Psalms 50, verse 23. He who brings an offering of praise and thanksgiving honors and glorifies me. He who orders his way aright, to him I will demonstrate salvation. Another if statement. If you order your way aright, I will demonstrate salvation. In the Amplified Bible, it says, he who orders his way aright, and then it brackets, it says, he who prepares the way that I may show him. Sometimes that difficult thing to do is the preparation work. It's the, the obeying so that I can prepare what God wants to do in my life. That's why he needs us to bear fruit, because if we don't bear fruit, we haven't prepared the way for the Lord. We haven't prepared a way for him to come into our lives and to work in our lives. Church, are you hearing me? Prophetically speaking, they, I just saw while we were worshiping, I saw the people again just waving their palm leaves as Jesus came into Jerusalem. And I feel like obedience is as much an act of worship as singing loudly in church is. I want you to see that every time you hear the voice of God and obey Him, that you're taking out your palm leaves and you're preparing the way for the Lord in your life. Come on, I've got areas in my life. I've gone, God, why? Why don't you just answer me? God says, you haven't prepared the way. Now I go back to God, fully motivated by His love, and I say, I'm preparing the way 
with every part of me. I'm preparing the way with all of my heart. Who is this King of glory? I want to welcome him into my life in every way that I can. Is that good? I believe God's speaking to specific people in the room. And he's saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And he's saying, hear my voice. Listen. Don't resist the actions I've called you to do. Stop resisting my voice. Listen with obedience. Because obedience will set you free. And obedience will cause your heart to rejoice. The fruit you bear in obedience will bring the fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of happiness, but the fullness of joy. He's saying joy isn't just getting what you asked for. Joy is seeing fruit, the fruit you bear in your life. That's the joy that you see. He's saying, he's, God's just saying, once, once you, you obey, that, that tree grows faster than you think. That, that tree grows and bears fruit faster than you think. But consistently obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Consistently obey His voice. Amen. Let's stand. Father, I just want to pray for our church and every person sitting in the room this morning. I ask, Lord, that you'll just come and bring a peace, a peace that transcends our understanding. Will you stir up a yes to listen to your voice this morning? Lord, and we come as a church and we want to put aside all of those things that have stopped us and hindered us from walking with fullness of joy. Lord, we want to obey you like Noah did. Noah demonstrated that through consistent obedience there came salvation. But also there came rest. So we draw on that. We draw on that word. We draw on your promise. We go this week and we say, Lord, show us the areas in our lives where we need to obey you. Show us how to obey you. But Lord, we want to listen to your voice. We give you our hearts. We give you our minds. And we press through with faith into those areas where we need to obey you. And Lord, thank you that you've promised us fullness of joy, that you've promised us happiness that comes from you. And so we give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen, Amen. Bless you guys. May you have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za 
where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.